are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome to a Tuesday edition of Locked On NBA. I'm Wes Goldberg, and I'm here with my co-host, David Ramil. And joining us from a lonely hotel bar in Sacramento, it's the athletic Sam Amick. Sam, thanks for coming on the show. <laughs> Wes and David, thanks for having me. That was a few nights ago, but, but uh, you are on point. That was quite an evening. Uh, we're going to talk about Karis LeVert's devastating injury, Markel Fultz's ugly free throw shot, and look ahead to tonight's games. But let's start with Jimmy Butler, uh, who just hours before he was traded, you talked to in Sacramento and wrote about that conversation for The Athletic. And now there's a lot of talk about how Butler's going to fit in Philadelphia with other young guys like Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and Markel Fultz after it didn't work out so great with the young guys in Minnesota. So, Sam, if you're the Sixers, are you worried at all about Jimmy's I don't know, volatile reputation? I mean, that's a consideration that I guarantee, you know, they thought about long and hard as they pondered their different trade proposals. I mean, what's interesting to me about the way that Philly approached the whole situation is that, you know, early on they, they dipped their toe in the water when it comes to talking to Minnesota. And I'm talking at the very beginning, a couple months ago and, but they didn't really seem to be very willing to put a lot on the table. And then over time, I think they started seeing that, you know, that they could get something done with Dario, with Covington. And, uh, and I think, you know, as of Wednesday is when they kind of rekindled and, and uh, they were kind of off and running and, and that led to Saturday night. But the personality stuff, you know, from the outside looking in, and I'm not around Philly a lot, but, you know, we know about Joel Embiid and his monster personality. And, you know, and Ben Simmons is a confident guy too. And so in that regard, I feel like Jimmy fits right in. There's a lot of swagger, and I think he's going to probably have more guys in this room that are willing to kind of challenge him on the personality front than he did in Minnesota. There were, I think, too many shrinking violets in Minnesota that, that kind of gave him all the oxygen in the room, and so maybe it's healthier in that way. And, you know, how does Brett Brown manage all that? We shall see. But, you know, I, I do think you are going to find plenty of executives in the league that even though, you know, Jimmy's – kind of the way you handled the whole saga was a turnoff for a lot of people. You know, there still are plenty of teams that just like his fire and his competitiveness and, and the way that he's wired. So we'll see how it works. Following up on that, from the Sixers perspective, one of the things that interests me the most is how the time frame has changed so drastically. A couple of years ago, this is a team that was firmly in the tank, uh, embracing the process, and then they evolved into a playoff contender. And now with the acquisition of Butler, I, I guess the view is – that they're a legitimate title contender, if not at least, you know, a, a, a good solid bet to advance out of the Eastern Conference. How does that impact those players? Do you see guys like Embiid and, and and Simmons who, you know, are still relatively young and having a whole heck of a lot of experience? Do you see them as being able to embrace that moment and recognize that all of a sudden things have changed so drastically and that they're ready for what could potentially be a title run? Yeah, I do. I mean, I think timing-wise, it's it's not perfect in relation to the young guys, but it's never going to be perfect. And it's better than, I mean, let's say it was last year and Jimmy mm-hmm. became available. Uh, you know, I think that you you see young guys who just want to get their feet wet, want to be confident, who, if they were being honest, they don't probably want a star coming their way because it takes some of their shine. In fact, I've, I've gotten that sense at different times. Like to me, the Lakers locker room is interesting because I I feel like if you would have got some truth serum into Kyle Kuzma during the summer, you know I don't know if he would have wanted LeBron coming his right. way because he was having fun. But then once 
you know, you know, once the guy comes, you have no choice but to adjust. But when it comes to Philly, at least Ben and Joel, <clears throat> excuse me, and Joel and the rest of that cast, you know, they had a minute to send a strong message that they were legit on their own. And I think it was, a, it was an incredible, you know, run and they, and they did, did, did good things. Now you got to open the door to this new guy. And, and this is maybe a reach, but you know what it kind of makes me think of and that I think all teams and all stars should remember is like, if, if you're mad about the Warriors running the NBA, ruling the NBA, don't forget that, you know, I still feel like the overlooked aspect of what the Warriors have done is that you had a guy in Steph Curry who could have continued to just hog the shine for himself. And he instead opened the door for Kevin Durant, you know, empowered Clay Thompson, empowered Draymond Green. That's how you get the job done. So, I mean, in Philly, that's what they got to do. They got to bring Jimmy in, put their arms around him, figure out how to make it work. You know, they need a lot of help on the offensive end right now. They haven't been very good. So, you know, I'm curious to see how it fits. Yeah, you know, I think that's the key point there is that Philadelphia, you know, they are in a different situation than Minnesota was when they acquired Jimmy Butler and when the Lakers acquired LeBron. They, you know, Embiid and Simmons got them to the playoffs. They had one, they won a playoff round against the Heat and, uh, you know, they flamed out in the second round, but they, at least they did something, right? And so at least that they can, they do have that confidence going in. And uh, I think from a basketball fit perspective, I've seen mixed reviews, I guess, on this. I think it's a good fit. I think Butler gives them a couple of things that they really needed in uh, an additional on-ball defender, and then more importantly on offense, somebody who can create his own shot and then create shots for others. I think Butler's a really underrated facilitator um, for other guys, especially if he likes the other guys on his team. He becomes even a better facilitator. So um, I think from a basketball fit, it works. And I do think that Embiid and Simmons are a little bit more uh, solidified in their reputations. And then hopefully, like you said, Sam, they're able to... There's going to be give and take. Nothing's going to be a perfect fit. Everybody looks at the Durant thing as a seamless fit. No, you're right. Like they, People have to sacrifice. Uh, Wade and Bosh had to sacrifice when LeBron went to Miami. I mean, guys, when you come together like that, you have to sacrifice. And now, if you're Minnesota, on the flip side of this, if you're Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins, you get to maybe flourish a little bit. You get to stand on your own a little bit more now that Butler is not sort of breathing down your neck. And we already saw in this first right. night, Monday night, Carl Anthony Towns, 25 points on 11 shots, had 21 rebounds. Minnesota got the win against Brooklyn. And so, I, you know, it's one game. You don't want to make too much of it. But with, with Butler out of Minnesota, maybe now you give Towns that chance. Like, they got to the playoffs last year because of Butler very, mu- uh, very much so. But now you give... Towns and Wiggins, the opportunity here. Do you think? Do you get the sense that maybe they're going to uh, that this is just that the that the worst days about this are, are sort of behind them? Yeah, I mean, likely. You know, I'm curious to see. You know, I, I like what Sarge and Covington are going to bring mm-hmm. to the T Wolves, and I think that they are complementary enough that you know it is going to leave more room and you know more oxygen for. Carl and Andrew to, to take that next step. And really for Carl, just to get back to kind of where he, even to where he was before, it would be an improvement. He just, you know, Jimmy and what he brought and then the chemistry that came with the saga, I think just seemed to, to be, you know, a thing that was stymieing Carl. So uh, I do think it's going to put them in a better place. Do I think they're going to be in the playoffs? Probably not. You know, at this point it's already crazy. You know, the way the West is unfolding in terms of the standings and kind of the numbers, race. I mean, I know it's, it's way early to be talking, you know, playoff races and standings in mid November, but that's kind of where we're at. So I don't know if they're going to get to that point, but I do think it'll be a healthier group. Um, it was one of the weirdest things 
that I've ever covered to see that locker room with Jimmy just having the, you know, the gas pedal all the way to the floor, you know, emotionally and all these different things that he was, you know, going through and, and the way he was impacting the group. And then Carl and Tom Thibodeau and all these guys acting like there was nothing to see here. Like it was unbelievable. You know, I talked to Carl when they played the Warriors on the second, I think it was. And I don't know him all that well. You know, we've always been cordial. And, uh, and I asked him about the situation and he said, you know, I quoted him on this. He said, Oh, you guys make too big a deal out of it. Mm. And I just wanted, like, I wished I knew him better. Cause I just, I wanted to be like call BS, like, come right. on, man. Are you kidding? And I didn't really do that. But with, with Tom, I've done that a little bit. And, and he, you know, cause I know him better and, and Tom Tibbs would, he would stand by, you know, stick to his guns and he would act like, you know, Oh no, you know, with Jimmy, he, he missed camp and, and his body's not feeling right, and, and you can't question a player, and you go, all right, Tom, you know, like, what are we doing here? So that was a lot for that locker room to deal with. Uh, and and it, like I said before, I think the new pieces are going to be good, and uh, and we'll see where they can take it. Before we move on, let's check in on some of the other scores from the night, David. Washington Wizards were their uh, first back-to-back wins all season long, 117 over Orlando Magic, 109. Uh, Embiid with a big night for Philadelphia, 124-114 over the Heat. Anthony Davis has 25 points and a season-high 20 rebounds and a 126-110 win over the Toronto Raptors. The Mavs beat the Bulls 103-98. Utah Jazz 96 over the Memphis Grizzlies 88. Again, Carl Anthony Towns with 25 points and 21 rebounds, not feeling any kind of a loss of Jimmy Butler, 123-113 over the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder, 118-101 over the Phoenix Suns. The Kings beat the Spurs, 104-99. And the Clippers in an overtime win over the Golden State Warriors, 121-116. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about what Karis LeVert's injury means to the Nets. You know, ever since launching the podcast, people have been asking me for advice, and usually it's what team to bet on this week. And the truth is, I don't know who's going to win, but if you think that you know, you've got to check out my bookie. Remember, Who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys. They are the best bet this season. They've been in business for years. They have great reviews online. Their mobile site is easy to use. Lay down some cash and win big today. I'd only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to me. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win. They pay. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, and for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use the promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's MyBookie. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON when creating your account to claim that bonus and let them know that you came from us. You play, you win, you get paid. We're going to look ahead to tonight's games later on, but first, this segment is called Big Deal, Little Deal, or No Deal, and we'll start in Brooklyn, where Karis LeVert suffered a gruesome injury uh, to his leg and was carted off the court. Really tough moment for everyone involved, especially LeVert, who was in the midst of a breakout season. Sam, is this a big deal, little deal, or no deal for LeVert and the Nets? I mean, I think it's a very big deal. You're talking about a guy, the funny thing about Karis is that not only was he coming into his own, you know, most improved player candidate for sure. And a guy that was part of a Nets team that that was, you know, making the right kind of noise early on where even when they would lose games, you would hear teams and coaches and players around the league talk about how 
you know, they just were one of those squads that didn't roll over and he kind of embodied that. And so uh, I think it's a big deal. You feel terrible for him. You know, I know there's not clarity just yet on how tough that recovery is going to be or all the specifics of the injury. But, you know, the other thing that strikes me about his story and his situation is that, you know, you know, no one a third year guy. You kind of think, all right, it's early, you know, he's got time, but he's one of those guys that he's already 24, you know, and you hate to see in your mid twenties, uh, you know, any guy who's going to lose the, the, you know, time right in the middle of your prime or before your prime. So I feel for him. I mean, it's a big deal when it comes to the nets and their planning and, you know, the Brooklyn turnaround that they're trying to, to get going. So, uh, you know, thoughts with him for sure. I've seen comparisons of this injury, obviously in in you know the, to the to the Gordon Hayward injury from last season. I do think it's a similar injury, right? But I do think there's a difference for the Nets uh, in that when the Celtics lost Hayward, they at least still had Kyrie Irving. They had a, a top picks right. like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum there. The Nets are you know their their highest pick guy I think is D'Angelo Russell, and they didn't pick him. He's barely like that lottery pick that people that he was. Um, before Karis LeVert was their star, he was the guy. And there's there's some nice young players. Jaron Allen is a nice young player there. Um, but this is as far as losing your your centerpiece, David. This is kind of it's not like I mean there are other guys on this roster, but nobody to the nobody with with the inherent talent that those those Boston that Boston team had. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see who steps up here, right, David? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I think Sam hits on it best, you know, or it, you're looking from the Nets perspective and what they do as far as their long term planning is concerned. He was a nice young piece, not maybe one that you could build a contending team around, but one that certainly had hopes for the playoffs, if not this season, but beyond this. And with Levert's injury now, all of a sudden, the, those hopes are dashed. So you have to look ahead and see what you can do. I mean, there aren't a lot of options there. You trust that Sean Marks can make the right decision and, and maybe add a, a young player here or there that compliment D'Angelo Russell. And, and hopefully Karras finds a way to bounce back from the injury, although that doesn't seem like a, it's a, a likely bet at this point in time. But uh, hopefully that's the case, and, and hopefully Brooklyn finds a way to turn it around. Yeah, and I think the other tough part about this is if you're Brooklyn, you've got cap space next summer, you're hoping to lure somebody in. Karis LeVert is one of those guys where you're hoping a free agent looks at Brooklyn, they're like, you know what, I kind of want to go play with this guy. Yeah. And now there's much there's a much smaller sample right. size um, for that kind of situation. Uh, uh, the other big story from the night was a video of uh, Markel Fultz's glitchy free throw shot that made the rounds <laughs> uh, Monday night. If you haven't seen it, basically Fultz goes up to shoot his free throw and... As the ball is about to leave his hands, he does a sort of, I don't know, pump fake before shooting and then and then misses the free throw. As the mystery of Markel's shooting form continues, David, is this big? De- is this a big deal, a little deal, or no deal? Wes, we've been doing this a long time between our show uh, at, at Lockdown NBA and also at Lockdown Heat. And I think this is the first time ever where I see this situation being the trifecta of being both a big, little, and, and no deal whatsoever. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I know that might be a total cop-out, but I, let, let me explain that real quick. It's a no deal in the sense that, well, Markel Fultz really isn't a big part of Philadelphia's future now that they have Jimmy anyway. He's going to be just another role player. Uh, it's a little deal in that he can still be a, a pretty good role player. He can provide some quality defense. He does have his drives to the rim. So he, there are other forms of offense there. 
But to me, the big deal here about the situation is that we're starting to see more and more evidence that maybe Markel has some issues off the floor that could impact his future in the NBA. There's some rumblings there that he has real personality issues. There's that relationship with Drew Hanlon, the trainer, uh, and supposedly uh, cut ties with Markel Fultz because of that attitude. You know, there's a lot of drama surrounding this situation there. So you you don't know what's going on with Markel Fultz. It has been, as you said, a mystery for well over a season now. Uh, And it doesn't seem like it's getting cleared up anytime soon. Is he still injured? Is there real neurological damage there, which is something that Hanlon had hinted at uh, in a now-deleted tweet? Um, This is such a mysterious, weird situation there. And again, I don't think we're going to get clarification anytime soon. David, you just you just picked all the above, and that wasn't an, even yes. an option. Sam, I hope that you have more integrity when it comes to <laughs> podcast segments. <laughs> I, I thought David did a good job of justifying it. He broke it all down. <laughs> you know, there there are there's layers to it. There's angles, and from the Sixers' angle, it, it's not the end of the world, uh, but it does matter. I mean, I don't know which one I want to you know give to it. I guess I'll go, I'll go with big deal. I mean, I've been. Like so many other people fascinated by this story, and it's so mysterious and troubling in different ways. Um, the Drew Hamlin stuff is weird because Drew's got a very good reputation. So it's another one, you know, it's a little bit of an indictment of the, you know, Mark Allen, kind of where he's at, that, that you have a guy in Drew who has done a lot of good work with a lot of players. And if he's kind of going sideways with you, then, you know, chances are it's, he's not the one that, uh, you know, we should be examining here. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, on the court, you know, you saw mild improvement from Markel, at least from the standpoint of being willing to occasionally take a three. Um, but man, it, it's gotten weird again. You know, I watched a video segment earlier today. And I wish I could remember the guy's name to give him credit to. It was kind of a non-mainstream thing, but it it was an in Philly, you know, with access video um, with a lot of footage from Markel's pregame routine and kind of trying to peel the onion back on just how he's conducting is you know the job and what we can see in the arena and it's just really weird like he'll sit there going through pregame warm-up and you know he'll have uh, an assistant coach working with him on the wing and typically it's going to be time to shoot the ball and he's going to the rack every time for uncontested layups and just doing things that are odd and that do feed that fire of when people say that it is you know more psychological than it is physical um so i don't know and then the free throw tonight was definitely odd. So uh, strange all around. And, you know, and, and if you break down his overall game in terms of PER and things like that, I mean, he's actually gone backwards a little bit this year. So uh, not good for a number one pick. Yeah, I, he said after the game that the ball slipped, and that's why he sort of did that <laughs> that double pump there. And then you, I watched the video again. Like, he didn't, it, the ball didn't slip in any sort of way possible. Um, so, look, I. I'm going to go just with no deal as far as the individual free throw goes because I didn't learn anything new. I just, tonight, because of that free throw, I already knew that there was some weird things going on with the shot, probably something psychological. Like, I didn't learn anything from the free throw um, in in and of itself. But it is it is a situation that they need to monitor. I think maybe before the Jimmy Butler trade, this would have been a big deal. But because of the Butler trade, it becomes a smaller um deal because now they have that that thing that Fultz was supposed to be see that's what i was getting at Wes. that's exactly what i was getting at all right fine then that's okay (laughs) well uh, here's (laughs) i was gonna say real quick guys it's like a quick addendum because you know we talked about jimmy earlier and i'm not even trying to be funny but like listen the idea of jimmy and markel on the practice floor together (laughs) um you know like the 
Sixers staff is going to have to monitor that and, and not, I mean, Jimmy's going to take a piece out of him. You know yeah. what I mean? Like he's not going to have any sympathy for any of this. And if he thinks it's mental, guess what? He's probably <laughs> going to not, you know, he's going to tell him stop being mental. And that's not necessarily the most sensitive way to handle it. So, you know, I think that the combination of those two guys uh, is going to be pretty interesting. Not that we're going to really see it, but, you know, stay tuned. And I think we might see it from the uh, the lingering effects. Like if Markel ends up in trade rumors, you know, in December, January, February, then maybe that's our sense that, you know, maybe things aren't going so well between those two. Um, if, they, if the Sixers right. feel that maybe that um Fultz isn't going to work out there I will say I will give uh Fultz some credit here I thought he had a nice game against the Heat he had some uh good dribble drives into the paint ended up having five assists and zero turnovers so I just I'm trying to give credit where credit's due there was some progress there fair enough yeah um the Denver Nuggets are going to try to snap their three game losing streak against the Rockets team that is trying to uh, turn their their season around as well we'll talk about tonight's games next after this quick break it's that time for our favorite game here on Locked on NBA Tuesdays. It's called Serial or Not Serial, where we break down the biggest games of the night and decide whether or not they're good enough to enjoy with a delicious bowl of cereal. So basically, Sam, if you're excited to watch the game, then it's cereal. If not, not cereal. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. We got a <laughs> short slate. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, let's get to our first game. It's 7 p.m. Eastern time, Charlotte at Cleveland on NBA TV. David, is this cereal or not cereal? Now, as much as I'm looking forward to having another monster game from Kemba Walker, I, I just think that Cleveland situation is so uh, you know distasteful to watch at this point. Uh, they're not a very good team. You're not sure what you're going to get out of them on a nightly basis, but it's probably not going to be a pretty product whatsoever. Um, so to me, it is not cereal at all. Sam? I am with David. Not cereal at all. Um, that is a stretch. I mean, unless the cereal... If maybe we substitute the milk for some adult beverages and mix it up a little bit, you know, yes. then then I can handle that game. <laughs> um, as much as I love to watch Kemba Walker, there's there's plenty of games in the season to do it without me having to suffer through him doing it against Cleveland's defense. So it's this is decidedly not serial. Um, 9 p.m. Eastern time, Houston at Denver. We mentioned this game a little bit ago. Um, this to me is is serial. What about you, Sam? Yeah, no, this one I'm I'm excited about. It's uh, the Rockets are not enjoying themselves. They have way too much drama for this early juncture in the season. But for all of us who enjoy some of that entertainment value, I mean, that adds to the the allure of this game because you have a Denver team that's overperforming. They've dropped a couple games recently, but certainly nine and four at this point is a really nice start for them. And you know, Houston's got to find its way, and and they played well the other night, but. You know, we we are waiting for the official word on the Carmelo at the end of his tenure in Houston. But you got two teams, you know, that we think are definitely going to be in the playoffs. And then who the heck knows? You know, I think if they both got their situations figured out, they could still both be top four teams. So I think that'd be a fun one. Yeah, unfortunately, we don't get the uh, Carmelo Anthony revenge game. If that's, I don't know if there's a statute of limitations on that. But uh, David, I know you love watching uh, Nikola Jokic, so I imagine that you're you're excited for this one. Absolutely. I mean, it's a good contest here from the defensive perspective of Denver. They've been a really good defensive team. And of course, Houston can put up points on occasion. So I, I think this should be a fun one all around. Two teams, both burnt by Carmelo Anthony. So <laughs> that's a, 
a, a lot of drama going around there. But it's also, you know, for a game in the regular season, there's, you know, some some perspective there as to what these teams could potentially be as they gear up for the postseason. So I, I'm really curious to see how it works out. This is a sign of things to come. So uh, this should be a good one. Perhaps a, a hint of a, a postseason matchup as well. Mm. Yeah, and since uh, the start of the season, when the Nuggets' uh, offense was struggling a little bit, they've come on, they've come along these last couple of weeks. They're doing, I think they're in the top ten in offensive rating now. Um, yeah. Final game of the year, at, or of the year, final game of the <laughs> night: Atlanta at Golden State. This one is also on NBA TV, ten thirty p.m. Eastern Time. Sam, what do you have this as? Well, I was all ready to bust out my cereal and enjoy this one. I, I you know, I'm going to go ahead and say no cereal because I think there's going to be no Steph Curry with that mm. growing strain that he's dealing with. And for me, and I think a lot of people, the obvious kind of big ticket item was going to watch, uh, be watching Steph against Trey young. Mm. And, you know, those guys in their games are constantly talked about in the same sentence. And, and Trey knows that that's about as high praise as you can get. And that it's a lot of expectations for him, but you know, it, it is fun to see, the young guy try to become the next version of, you know, the, uh, the gunner who can fire away from 35 feet and beyond, but not having them on the floor at the same time, I'm going to say it, it takes away from it. And then next thing you know, you just have a, a fantastic Warriors team playing against a really bad Hawks team. David, what do you got this as? Yeah, I think it's pretty clear it's no cereal. Uh, you know, as much as that individual matchup would have been interesting, the larger scale matchup of these two teams, it would have been a blowout regardless um, and even though Golden State did lose to the Clippers tonight, I think they'll bounce back uh, on a second game of a back-to-back at set, and uh, they'll beat Atlanta pretty thoroughly. So, um, yeah, not as interesting as it would have been if uh, if Steph had been out on the floor, but still not interesting at all. I think I'll catch the end of this. I don't know if I'll have any cereal left after Houston at Denver, but um, I think I'm going to catch the end. I just enjoy watching the Hawks anyway. They're like well, uh. they're probably my, the most fun bad team to watch at this point, and... Um, I always like watching Clay Thompson, so that's enough for me to tune in at the end of the night. So I've got this as serious. He was fun tonight. Mm-hmm. I'm, yeah, I'm with you tonight, man. He almost, uh, he almost, you know, pulled that one out against the Clippers. He got on fire for a minute there. Almost, yeah. Um, but that's all we have for today. If you're not already, you could subscribe to Locked On NBA and iTunes and listen wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure to catch Sam's writing at the Athletic, and uh, David and I will be over at Locked On Heat for the rest of the week. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next Tuesday. Thanks for joining us, Sam. You got it, guys. Thank you. Appreciate it.